the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Maniple. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 215. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... Uh, this is Ed. And this is Elena. All right, so we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from January 1st through January 14th. We have a total of three books to cover and uh, a little bit of news. Uh, not much, but it's a pretty big announcement. So let's just jump into news. So the only real news that came out over the past couple of weeks is that we're going to be getting back to... The, hi- the the mystery behind DC Rebirth on Apple. <laughs> you were going to say the history. <laughs> you were about to. Yes, I was. I was because that word <laughs> just rolls off my tongue like there's no more. It does. Um, I like but, it. But come in April, there is going to be a story featured in both Batman and The Flash. Uh, it's a four-part story arc that's going to be contained in the, the issues 21 and 22. Of, like I said, both Batman and The Flash. Um, where Batman and Flash are going to be investigating the mystery of the bloodstained smiley face button that was stuck in the Batcave wall during the DC Rebirth, DC Universe Rebirth special that came out last May. Um, Tom King is going to be joined by Jason Fabic, who's going to be doing the art. Joshua Williamson, who is currently the head writer of the Justice League versus Suicide Squad, as well as the Flash. He's going to be teamed up with Howard Porter for art. And the two of them are going to be creating a four-part story arc. So um, that is coming in April. The interesting thing about this is even though it's a pretty big deal, obviously, with the fact that this is leading a little bit more uh, clues as to what's going on in the pages or in the pages of the DC Universe, but specifically dealing with Rebirth and the Watchmen, uh, the issues are still going to be priced at the normal two ninety nine price um, but if you are interested they will also have special lenticular 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 i think so uh covers which if you remember they had those for villains month and the new 50, uh futures end month uh during new 52 they basically for an extra dollar 399 you can get a special cover uh for each one of the four issues of that crossover arc so um check that out uh the first issue is going to hit stores in april or april 19th so that is when you can look forward to that now just as a i just want to do a brief catch up it's been a while since we've talked about watchmen in general uh i mean honestly i think the last time we talked about it was when uh the hugo strange clock tower during the i am gotham storyline i feel like the that's like the last time we really we really discussed it at length. Uh, but, uh, well, that and obviously Mr. Oz and the whole Tim Drake situation, but we still don't know exactly everything that's going on with that either. So if you are not following along with all of the DC books, there are crazy, there's crazy stuff happening in a number of different titles. Obviously, we have Tim Drake locked up in a cell uh, by the hands of Mr. Oz, who we are assuming is Ozymandias, but we can't be for sure until they actually reveal it that it is. Um, in the pages of 
Titans, there was just a reference by Abercadabra um, referencing Manhattan by name, but not specifically Dr. Manhattan, just saying the name Manhattan. So we would assume he's talking about Dr. Manhattan. Um, in the pages of, I want to say, I think it's Action Comics. I'm not reading the Superman books, so I can't say for sure. But in the Superman books, Doomsday was also taken. Snatched, and, yeah, with an yeah, he was, yeah, he was snatched and he was put in one of those cells alongside Tim Drake, um, even though we haven't seen it. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on. And obviously this is happening also in the, you know, this, uh, this crossover between flash and Batman's also happening, but also it was revealed, even though we don't have full solicitations, uh, early solicitations show that Batman, wonder woman and Superman are all going to be facing off against Mr. Oz in the pages of Trinity in April as well. So we have a lot of stuff that's leading up to something. So I'm imagining whatever the event that may be coming this summer is in fact dealing with this, or maybe they're just, this is still a slow burn and they're going to be doing something not related to the Watchmen and just build very slowly for the next year or so until they actually get to it. Now, the question I want to ask is, would you prefer that it happens this summer or would you prefer the slow burn? I'd kind of just, I, <sighs> I, I don't mind them slowing it down a little bit, but give us some. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really love the idea of all the stories happening at once. I don't hate it because it's going to be like Watchmen Month. Um, but if they like gave us at least one story at a time, so we had something because the, what we've been getting, the breadcrumbs we've been getting are so kind of small. I mean, they're big events: Tim Drake's quote unquote death, Doomsday getting you know carried away with um so they're big events but they've been really slow and, and even for comic book standards this feels like an overburn you know what i'm saying yeah it already seems like it's slow cut so i i kind of want it to speed up a little bit as well but i agree with that that i don't want everything to be dumped on us at the same time i agree that i yeah the watchman yeah i don't want it to be dumped on us either and i actually think in some ways i think in today's storytelling in comics i think everything does happen very quickly um, and there's very little slow burn. Um, like we, we 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 talked about this last episode at the end of uh, the story arc that was in Detective Comics. How you know there's hints at some of the stuff that is to come. Um, we knew that in the first story arc, the situation with the League of Assassins. We knew that that was going to pop up sometime in the future. We didn't know when. Now we know it's going to be happening. The Cassandra Stane, Cassandra Kane storyline that's happening right after this two uh, two part story arc uh, dealing with Batwoman's history. But I think in some ways I don't mind the little clues. It's fun to actually like search for the little clues. Um, so like, I don't want it to be a sudden drop, but I agree that, you know, maybe a little bit more break comes would be a little bit better rather than just here's one random mention for the month or here's, you know, this book that you don't even, I mean, like obviously if you read everything, great on you because you're going to catch everything that there is but maybe even something where like at the end of the month they do like you know how at the back in the back of the comics they have like a page that is promoting something regardless of what it is It'd be cool if one of those pages had something to do with like oh by the way did you check out these books for the month there are breadcrumbs so that way you at least can be kept up to date so if you are interested in finding these breadcrumbs you go pick up the other issues or something yeah because i mean you, it's very conceivable. I mean, just look at the sales numbers. The majority of people aren't probably reading Titans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it could be, um, 
Yeah, you could miss it. I mean, I read it and almost missed it. You know, so and I read it yeah. and did miss it. I mean, I, I did miss. It. I missed it. All right. So anyway, so lots of stuff. Maybe we'll hear some more things about rebirth uh, once the solicitations release, and uh, we'll obviously talk about those if there is anything that pops up next episode. So with that, we're going to jump straight into our comic book reviews, and the first one we have is All Star Batman. All-Star Batman number six, writer Scott Snyder, artist Jock. This team previously worked together on The Black Mirror, uh, for those who didn't know. Um, This story opens in Alaska with Batman walking. Um, He is going after Mr. Freeze, who is up there trying to um, reanimate some people that have been frozen. You know, like the people that have been frozen back to the 60s, the cryogenics, you know, waking up in the future when you can cure my incurable disease then. Um, and these are going to make the basis of his new army. Uh, Batman asks him to stop, and Victor tells him that he has also pulled out an ice core uh, that is millions of years old and contains a virus that could, you know, freeze the world, basically. Um, Mr. Freeze insists that he is doing all this for Nora, but Bat- Batman tells him that Nora would only wake up to this world and she would be screaming to see it. Uh, we then see a squadron of fighter jets on the way to destroy them. Freeze freezes Batman with the cold killer freeze virus, and uh, he starts to daydream about the world to come. Uh, then Batman, however, of course, has become prepared with a counter virus in him that heats him up. And we get some dialogue here about how bats are such efficient because they are so hot uh, and allows them to fight in the cold. Uh, Batman drags Freeze into one of the freezing chambers for his safety as the bombs come falling down around them. So I've got a couple of questions here. Um, this story is told as an exchange between Mr. Freeze and Batman, um, each making their points to each other. And as you see, the art reflects this back and forth. And as you saw, the visual perspective changes when Batman's, t- you know, giving making his points. And when Freeze is making him his points, did you feel like this kind of shifting visual perspective was a good thing or was it a little too overpowering for you as you went through the book? So I like to think back to the time in... I would say the 80s. I mean, it's going to be before this, but there was like a transition period. It was probably mid to late 80s that they were still like the narration box. You didn't know who was talking necessarily. Like you had to figure it out by like clearly context. And I guess maybe that shift happened perhaps in the early to mid 90s where they started assigning colors or there'd be a symbol at the corner to show, you know, this is the person who's talking. And it's interesting to think back to the time when they didn't have that coding because you could run upon a story or an issue where there are multiple people having narrations. And if there's overlap, then you're kind of confused of like, uh, who is speaking here? Uh, I remember one issue in particular, I don't remember the comic, but I just remembered that Alfred was one of the narrators and somebody else was. And I remember reviewing it with someone, I think maybe it was Donovan and saying, you know, who is saying this one particular emotional response and kind of going back and forth and and thinking about that. So all that to say that I actually enjoy, I think part of the question is, you know, the, the back and forth and um, is there a confusion there? And I think it's interesting at the beginning, there's, you thought that it was Bruce Wayne talking <laughs> um, yes. because he ta- he talks about, you know, and he's 10 years old. And so you're thinking, oh, this is uh, a nice little uh, we're continuing with this Scott Snyder idea of revisiting Bruce's past and sort of trying to sift through that. And But at the end, it comes back, nice little ring composition. It comes back and you actually uh, 
it's revealed that it was Victor and his father and that this was his favorite poem. Um, so in the beginning, I think it's nice because you thought it was Bruce, but it's not. And then once they get together, it's clear who's talking. So I think the color coded boxes uh, are great. Um, it gets to pink and like the colors shift and everything. This is it was a little reminiscent of Batman that we've been reading um, where, you know, the one issue was uh, the letter from Selena to Bruce. And then the other one was Bruce to Selena. But here we have uh, this sort of uh, overlap. I don't think it would have worked this type of thing um, in the previous arc. I think the reason why this works is that this is a completely different writing style um, than what we've, it, it felt like um, it just, what's a good way to describe how this felt, but it, well, I guess it was, it was all more like prose, right? Yeah. Or, or like very scripted as if yeah. like it was literally taken out of a, a scene from a play kind of thing, which is different. I think than um, what we've seen from Snyder and, and previous. And I think that's why it works because it really is dialogue between two people, not using um, bubbles or anything, just having, it's almost having the words be a third actor because you have, Victor and uh, Batman and and their actions and everything and and what they're saying and then you have you know the actual words are sort of coming alive and and their meanings and everything uh, so I actually like it I, but I think it's very distinct and it only works in this sort of bubble of all of these elements coming together I don't know if it would necessarily work with what Snyder normally does like if if you tried to pull this sort of action or um, method and put it somewhere else like zero year, I think it would fall flat, but I think here it works well. One of the things though, I think that is, is to me, you, you know, you described it as prose and it's very, very scripted. And and I definitely agree with that. But I think the thing for me is that if you actually took all of this out, all of the, the, the you know, the entire script, all of the dialogue out of the actual story, you don't even need the, the comic book. I mean, like, honestly, this is just mm. a story that could work without the comic. And that's the problem I think that I have is that, you know, the, the art should be helping tell the story and the art's not even needed to tell the story. That's, that's the problem in my mind. Maybe not needed, but definitely, you know, with, it makes it more interesting. Media. Sure. Because it's a comic, but I mean, like if I, if the art wasn't there, it's not like I'm going to get anything more or less out of the story than what we're being shown. See, I, I, I kind of like the visual style in here. Like, I, I like, like, still, you talked about the color change, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was a very depth and cool way to do it, but it was also really obvious. Like, it wasn't like, you know, sometimes artists get too cute. What's going on here? I can't read what who's saying what. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that. Was, I, I, I felt that this visual was great, and I really understood what was going on, who was making what point, who was, you know, talking. Um, it did feel a lot more like prose, though, for me. And it's cool to see Snyder do something different. Um, it, and he kind of put a, a different hat on to try a totally different style. So I really I really liked the way the, the art worked with it. And I like Jock as an artist, too. Um, and I think the fact they work together on Black Mirror, you know, kind of helps them together. There is a, there's a line in there, and there's a little section at home. So I'm going to quote it, actually, for a second. And he says, there's a line where Mr. Free says, this moment, this world, it's overrun with human life. It's dying. Everyone knows this, too. They feel it in the air. Billions of people scribbling their stories down faster and faster as the end nears. Kind of Snyder giving us his nickel commentary on, like, social media. And I, mm. found it to be, I found it to be, you know, 
billions of people scribbling their stories down faster and faster as the end nears. I kind of took it as Snyder's take on social media and uh, thought it was kind of a, a cool little thing he put in. I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts about that section. I definitely didn't think of it like that, but when you mention it like that, it's actually, I think it, it makes sense. And in, I think it holds true too. I mean, more and more people are, you know, taking the time to write stuff online and share information via social media. And it's not always bettering society in, in general. So, uh, in some ways this, I mean, your, your explanation of it being commentary from Snyder on that, uh, works perfectly. I think it's also because uh, I also I, I didn't uh, see it like that, but I, I think that's great, especially, you know, in terms of <laughs> what's been going on, you know, recently. I, I think it's also, you know, the idea of scribbling down their stories is also their actions, right? Trying to make um, mm-hmm. as much out of or take do as much with their life as they can before the end. So, you know, uh, I think that sort of thing like uh metaphorically speaking, as well as literal, um, that little speech bubble. Yeah, I, I just, it was someone I was reading through the issue. I kind of, I'd probably read it a couple of times. I'm like, I think that's what he said, you know? Um, he's, there's a lot of layers in this issue. There's a lot of, said where is the comic be, can be too wordy. Um, but I think this is an example of words being used for the betterment of the story. And I think is there's a lot of meat here. Um, and so more traditional question here at the end is, you know, tier doesn't seem to be a radical departure from Mr. Freeze. And just this is the first time we've seen Freeze in a while. Does this feel like a regular Mr. Freeze to you? I don't I don't think we're going to get like a rebooted like we did with Two-Face or some of the other villains he's 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 touched on. And what would you guys think of Freeze here? Well, I don't feel like he's rebooting them. If anything, it's kind of like kind of like, well, it's almost in some way. I mean, it's very similar to the version of Mr. Freeze that he used himself in that annual that he had a hand mm. in. Um, but it, it seems a little bit more extreme, but that has a lot to do with Jock's art um, and not necessarily what's written by by Snyder in the story. Um, but that's not a bad thing. I'm not trying to say that Jock did a bad job or anything. Looking at Jock's art, um, like I said before, it doesn't match up. Like it doesn't to me doesn't add anything to what is being presented here by Snyder just, you know, the, yeah, there's some visuals that you can see, but the one thing that I, I immediately thought of when I saw Mr. Freeze revealed for the first time was I thought of uh, the, uh, the, uh, like the, the animated version where he's just the head and he's got the robotic mm. spider. And I kept thinking yeah. like, this is like him right before he gets to that point because he looks so decrepit it works. Yeah, that kind of works. Yeah. So that was what I thought of. But, like, I don't think it's uh, like, yes, it's an interesting way that he's presented artistically, um, you know, through the art. But I don't feel as if Snyder's rebooting him by any means. I feel like it's just a story that, you know, deals with the character outside of Gotham, which is not something we see in general very much with a lot of these characters. So, um, if anything, Snyder kind of already had a hand in trying to reboot the character in that annual. Um, And yeah. So, I mean, like as far as this one goes, I've got no issues with it. You know, I I think at the heart of Victor freeze is his wife. And so I think without her, you're really losing the character. And so I think, you know, looking at this, like you really, you really have him uh, down because there he is at the forefront of his mind and, you know, trying to sort of recreate this world where he can live and she can be okay to live as well. 
I almost also see him. He's like taking a little Ra's al Ghul turn in this one because, you know, w- with all this talk of like too many people and like destroying it, it's like, wow, that sounds like when uh, Ra's basically says that, you know, humanity is a blight on the earth and he wants to destroy a great percentage of the population in order to uh, revivify uh, the world. Um, so it, it, it seems like he's got, he, he's a little more maniacal here, um, but for selfish reasons, not necessarily for the world, but just like remaking it almost in his image. So he's, uh, I feel like he's a bit more egotistical than, than I've seen a little less um, mad scientist and a little more like world dominating villain. But I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, I don't have any like terrible problems against it. I, I overall enjoyed this issue. Yeah, I don't. I, I I don't feel like this is a a much of a different freeze. I just want to get your guys' take on. I don't think he's going to do anything. Like you said, it's it's Mister Freeze. He's frozen. and He's got his way to the story. You know what I'm saying? Like that's kind of the story. Um. So yeah, it it seemed fine to me. I just want to get your take on it. But um, I could go on about the issue forever. But that's all I got. All right, so All-Star Batman, I'm going to give three and a half out of five. I am going to surprise everyone and give it four and a half out of five. Four out of five? Over on the website, Corbin gave it four and a half out of five, so that's going to give All-Star Batman a total of four out of five batterings. Let's move into our next book, Batman. Batman number 14, Rooftops, part one of two. Writer Tom King, pencils and inks and colors, Mitch, Mitch Gerard. So I, I, I before I give my recap, which is like only two sentences, really, because um, I really don't want to mar this issue by like going into detail of what happens. Um, I do want to at least go through the villains that pop up because it was like a literal... Um, I don't know, like a field day with villains of like Who's the sea. I know a C and D list qualities, and I, I don't interpret that to mean I didn't like it. I loved it. Um, so I just Clock King. He was probably like the most well known, and he was given the longest. He was given two pages, and then everyone else gets like a little panel. We have Magpie, Signal Man, Gorilla Boss, Ten Eyed Man, Werewolf. <laughs> this is amazing. Copperhead, Cavalier, one of my favorites. Zebra Man, Film Freak. Mad Monk and Kite Man returns again. Charlie Brown just doesn't have enough, and he has this amazing quote. He's like been beaten in the ground. One of his goggle like lenses is missing, like Kite Man. And then at the very end, Batman walks over him and he walks away. And then Kite Man's like, "Hell yeah!" As if you know he's still good enough um, for for everything. Uh, so basically, this is like a date night issue but only how Batman and Catwoman can do. So the mission's over and Batman has to bring Catwoman back and she's still testifying the fact that she killed 237 people. He doesn't believe it. She wants them to have a night alone and then be brought in in the morning and he's trying to reason with her and say, you know, you're going to run away. And she said, well, of course I am, but you know, you're you, so you'll catch me. They end up having a date night and it basically involves, I guess, something he likes to do, which he tries to say that he doesn't like it. He has to do it, which is going after all these villains and she actually helps him out. And then something she likes to do, of course, steal, but it's um, stealing back something that she's and there are diamonds in it um, and uh, there's a little 
tease for um, Holly Robinson um, because the apartment that they go into is owned by her. And then he says, who's Holly Robinson? And she says, I am. Um, so that's interesting. But uh, so the diamonds, uh, he, she wants to be used to um, build orphanages, which goes back to you know, her initial, like the reason why she went crazy and did the 237. And um, so since they did what they, you know, quote unquote, had to do at the end of the issue, they do what they would both like to do on the rooftop. And that's uh, make wealth. Oh, and next up is the final farewell. So my first question um, is a historical question, being that we're on the Batman universe and Dustin likes the history. I would like you to recall a certain lovemaking scene, if you want to call it that, that initiated <laughs> the new 52. I do recall. I do. Mm, no, I yes, we all should. Yeah. I believe it was Catwoman number one. Is that correct? That's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I think the title of the, I should have done better research, but I, the, the title was like, we leave the, co- the costumes stay on, something like that. Which literally, that's what happens. Uh, you know, the masks stay on and everything. And so, um, I'm a big shipper, obviously. So, th- I'm sorry that this discussion is going to be all about shipping. But my first one is like literally comparison of this, this scene, and and the entire issue and the romance and everything of it, and and love, if you want to say that, compared to the new Fifty Two uh, interactions. Uh, you know, do you see, do you feel like we've come a long way or do you feel like it's just the same thing, but done perhaps more tastefully? Well, I think it is for one, I think it's done more tastefully in this than it was in the new 52. Cause in the new 52, it just felt like the whole point of the issue was for them to get down and dirty. And this <laughs> one, it, it feels like, you know, they're trying to help the reader understand that the two of them have a very complicated relationship. Yeah. Sure, they get down and dirty at the end, but but they have a complicated relationship. It's not just, you know, we just we you know sleep with each other, and that's that's what it's all about. Like this is legitimately trying to show that the two of them have, you know, unique feelings for each other, but it's a very difficult thing to go about because of who each one of them are. Um, so in that regard, I think, yes, it's done tastefully. Have we come a long way since the beginning of the New 52? Uh, I think we've come leaps and bounds since the beginning of the New 52 as far as uh, tastefulness, um, as far as the, you know, this is shown in a way where, like, it's tasteful, but it's also, like, it's relevant to what they're trying to accomplish here. In the New 52, it just happened because it happened. I mean, like... They were just trying to make sure that you knew that Batman was getting some on the side from Catwoman whenever he needed to, and they kept their costumes on. Um, this time around, it, it really feels like you know the two of them. And the the other side of this is that Batman has hasn't been shown with other women because I think it was also like in the pages of Detective Comics at the beginning of the New Fifty Two, he was like he slept with somebody from Wayne Enterprises. Or oh, something. Yeah. It was like the same month or the Charlotte. month after. Or something. Wasn't her name in, in Charlotte something? Yeah. 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 And it was like, yeah, it was wait. ridiculous. And it was like he was sleeping around with multiple women over the course of just one publication month. And I was like, come on. Then it's not really like you're not trying to accomplish anything other than just to say that he really is a playboy and he gets around. 
Um, but like here, it, it like he hasn't been presented as the playboy. Like he's not dating women. They don't show him going on dates or, you know, to the degree of the new 52 sleeping with women in general. So like here, they're really mm-hmm. trying to show that, you know, Batman and Catwoman in some ways, maybe they are meant to be. And at least in Batman's mind, this is the person that he should be with. But unfortunately, because of whatever she's done, he can't be with her. So they have to, they, they do these things where they basically, they meet on rooftops. <laughs> I wasn't re- referring to them doing things by, by what Stella's cracking up about. Um, no, I sneezed. Oh, sneezed. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, and I can't mute this mic. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, like, they, they, they basically, they, they meet up on rooftops because that's the only way they really can have any sort of relationship. Um, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, like, this is not inside the comic books, but one of the best portrayals of Selena and Bruce's relationship, I think I feel was in the recent telltale game series where the two of them, like, Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the, you know, the, the two of them and how they interacted with each other. I thought it was really, I thought it was done really well. Um, yes. Two face was basically in the midst, in the middle of that for whatever reason, but like the actual relationship between Bruce and Selena, the way it was built up, and it got to where it was at the end of the story. Like it was, it was interesting. And I think they're doing it very interestingly here. This is very different from the new 52. And I, I enjoyed it. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, it's not the, the new 52 startup was, I don't think there was any doubt that if you got all those writers who wrote Catwoman number one and who I can't remember the, the woman's name who did that now. Uh, and Nascenti, I think, um, if you got that writer together and gave her true serum and said, what were you trying to do with that scene with uh, Bruce and Selena and Catwoman number one, the 52, I think her honest answer would be, I was trying to shock people. Like, look at this. It, you know, it reminded me, you remember like the nineties when everything was like extreme, right? Extreme. <laughs> but wait, 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 it was Judd it was Winnick. It was March and yes. yeah, Judd Winnick. Yeah. That's right. Cause Anacenti took over after that. Afterwards. That's right. But it, it reminds me of that, like, like you know, look at the extreme. Look at this. Do you see this? They're having sex in their costumes. It's amazing. Like, it's like, heck, I get it. I get it. I'm a grown adult. I get what's going on. You know, like, so, yeah, th- that one seemed like it was done purely for shock value. Uh, this issue doesn't feel like to me like it's it's there for shock value at all. Um, this, to me, seems to be a legitimate relationship with him and Selena. I think, Dustin, your points are very good about it's tough to take him and Selena's relationship seriously when he's you know stopping half of gotham yeah you know um you're like well that's the love of his life i mean except those other four women he sleep with. he likes them too i mean like it's it's you just i can't i can't buy into that that narrative doesn't doesn't drive for me this one um it's been a while since batman's had a love interest which is i'm fine with because i think selena should be his primary love interest thank you um with the help the helping sometimes of Talia. Talia, yep. This is what we this is what we should be presented with here, and I don't feel like this was done here cheaply or as a look what we did moment. It feels like a legitimate relationship issue, very much like Stella said, a, a date night issue. And I'm 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 what? I <laughs> oh man, I I'm the shipper, and uh, th- this was this was great for me. I I did not expect this. I wasn't sure. I thought maybe we were going to get a revelation on, you know, why she would did what she did. Uh, and then I was so pleasantly surprised that this is what happened. 
I think that Selena and uh, Bruce, that they're my true pair. They're not my one true pair, my OTP, but they are my my primary pair for for Bruce, of course. And when the new Fifty Two happened, and you know, I like shipping scenes as, as much as the next person, but um, I, I think there's a way to use sex well, and. I appreciate more the relationships that are built up and have like, you know, a good foundation rather than characters falling in bed with one another. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, this could also be like a Dick Grayson kind of discussion as well. So with Bruce, even though they've, you know, you come into the new 52 and you can assume some things are new, some things haven't changed. You realize that, well, Batman and Catwoman haven't changed, but the relationship is done so poorly because even though they had, a history and probably a foundation. I mean, they just come together and, you know, have sex and, and it seems like it is devoid of emotion. It's more like, it's just like passion and there's nothing, there are no like feelings beneath it. And I think the fact that it's, you know, we keep the masks on or we keep the costumes on. Cause like they barely got out of their costumes. Uh, it was just like so animalistic and, and it more sickened me than like created any sort of, bu- you know, butterfly feelings that I may get uh, during those scenes. So here it's the complete opposite. And, you know, I think one of the, f- the the main things is the fact that their masks come off. The fact that, you know, at the end, as I flip to this here, his mask is off and her mask are off. So it's not just, you know, Batman and Catwoman now. Like, there, there's something deeper. That their costumes actually are coming off. So I think instead of being, like, raw and intense, there's actually emotion behind it, which I, I really appreciate. And I think this whole issue with um, this sort of, strain between i feel like with batman you know he knows his duty he's got to take her in but he also does want to spend time with her um and he's not a weak person but like she's able to convince him you know and like you can see him softening and i think that's very hard to do but there's one person that can do that to him and 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 that's catwoman and just the the whole scene i i think it's just like polar opposites from where we were with 52 and i i agree with you ed that i think that was shock factor and i think heavens above boy were we shocked i mean think of all yeah. those sex scenes that we had in the beginning i remember i think the harley and deadshot sex scene was pretty soon after the new 52 began i, I feel like all of these like couplings oh, yeah. were like bam let's do this let's make it. it it was it was crazy it wasn't extreme with action and and um weird costumes and stuff like the 90s it was extreme with like sex and like let's make the i mean they basically like tore down a lot of characters because it just didn't make sense what what they were doing so i I just thought this was great. My you other know, question. Real quick. Oh, yeah. I, I want to chime in because I feel like, you know, you, you mentioned there was just a lot of pairings sexually for no apparent reason. And also I think oh. it's interesting to note that at the beginning of the, <laughs> yeah, there was, there was, I'm not disagreeing with that, but at the beginning of the new 52, there was also when DC rolled out their new rating system. Um, that was, oh. you know, the new 52 was oh, also right. at the yeah. beginning of like, you know, them not using the comics, uh, comics authority anymore and code authority and the um, they had their own ratings and there was that teen and teen plus and then I don't even know what else there was because most of the books are teen and teen plus but I have to wonder to myself if maybe the reason that there was so many of those encounters was because they were trying to warrant some of the books having those higher ratings mm. I mean like 
that would be so like it's a killing joke kind of thing yeah i mean like it's yeah it's it's like one of those things i mean yeah Yeah. it's it's there because they need it there to to warrant the rating uh so exactly like exactly like the killing joke film but it like that would be a pretty stupid reason to do it but like i can't think of anything else and the other thing is like most of those books even the ones that are rated teen and teen plus I don't really understand why they would be rated that. I mean, like that would be like the equivalent of PG 13 or like maybe, you know, like if there was a PG 16 or something like that, where it'd be plus, but I can't even comprehend why something that has that rating nowadays still gets those ratings. Like for example, like detective comics is rated teen. Why what's in that book. That's so not okay for I mean, like, I guess the maybe the understanding value, but like as a rating, I don't understand why they even rate some of their books the way they rate them. Do they still rate them? What do they put the ratings at? They're just on the front cover. It's just like it's by yeah, the barcode right normally. Like the digital versions yeah. have it on the covers as well. Like I just know off the top of my head that Detective Comics is rated T because I have it sitting in front of me um, ready for the next review. But like, I don't know why they're rated the way they are, honestly, like. I know that when they rolled out their new rating system and they said this was what it was, they had an explanation behind it. But I honestly like thinking about it. I can't comprehend why some of the stuff is rated the way it is. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like not to take away from it. I just wanted to say that because it's because it has to do with the, you know, the the sexual stuff that that you were talking about. But yeah. Yeah. And I think, well, I think you just proved the point, the fact that they weren't doing it for, story's sake or building relationships they were doing it to like for some other purpose that wasn't really wholesome i guess we'll say yeah yeah my other question is um it kind of gets to this removing the masks and things like that uh but do you think um because you know that could be taken either way do you think that they love um, the costume or the person inside the costume? Because, and I ask this because the mask is like one thing that could be like, oh, of course they love, you know, Bruce and Selena love each other. But the other thing is that they don't refer to themselves as Bruce and Selena in this entire issue. It's always bat and cat. So what what is your perception of this relationship? Well, um, the fact that I think part of the reason they always refer to them as bad and cat is because even though they know who each other is, they don't ever want. It's like that same principle of like um, Alfred not saying Master Bruce. Well, that's not true because there's sometimes he does say that. But like you never know who's listening. You never you never know who's listening. And that's the biggest thing. Like, I don't know why you would call the person by their real name. Um, now Selena is obviously a villain. She's, you know, everybody would know who she is because she's been in jail. So she's not really hiding her identity, but I think it's just like, it's like their, it's like their names, you know, like some people call their significant other. And I'm not saying that they're necessarily significant others. I believe that is the way it should be, but I don't think that's necessarily what they're going for here. But, um, you know, some people call it babe or honey or whatever. And like, I think that's just their their play names for each other. I mean, in some ways, the significance of taking off the masks, though, I think is important because, like you were saying before, in the New Fifty Two, when they were when they did that, it was very, like you said, animalistic. Um, you know, and they were just doing it because they needed to do it. It was like something. It was like an urge that they needed to satisfy. This actually feels like they're you know they're taking the time to remove the masks. It's not just the animalistic urge. It has more to do with the fact that they are, you know, they 
I, I, I don't, I don't know if I want to go as far as to say like they love each other, but like they, they care about each other greatly where like he doesn't have any problem revealing himself as Bruce Wayne to her because he is in some ways committed to her in some way, because otherwise why would he do that? So. Yeah. I also think that, you know, how many times have we had this discussion? <laughs> is Bruce Wayne the mask is Batman who he really is. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like she all Bruce Wayne has had a lot of romantic relationships over the years. Batman has not had nearly as many. You know what I'm saying? What's the what's the big conflict almost with every time that someone introduces one of those 12 issue love, love interest for Bruce? I mean, what's the big thing every time? I'm going to have to tell her I'm Batman. How is she going to react? Right? Like, that's always like the thing. It always comes back to the same part of the story. She knows who he really is. And he really is Batman. I've always been of the camp that Bruce is the mask, you know? So I think that it, that them calling themselves that actually makes it seem, I know it seems weird, but it seems more wholesome or seems more legitimate. Very few of quote unquote Bruce's girlfriends. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. And I agree with you that I think, you know, Batman is the actual identity, but I think, you know, fully knowing Batman is also knowing his other side is Bruce Wayne. So like, I still think it, 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 be partially like a superficial relationship to only be like in love with Batman. Cause I think you have to know an entire person. Um, and I think that's always been for her is like loving Batman, but not really, I mean, not knowing who, who Bruce Wayne is, but I think it's deeper here because they do know each other. Uh, and then I think for Batman, he always knew that Selena was Catwoman. So sometimes he had her at a disadvantage, but I think in this case, I love the fact that, um, the identities are revealed. So I think they're able to have a, a deeper relationship, but I think it's, it's hard other times. Um, Cause I, so I think, yes, they love the, the person inside the costume, which, you know, for Batman is like both parts, but I think in other iterations, I think that she has more of an infatuation with um, Batman rather than the, per- like as in a symbol and all of that, rather than just Bruce Wayne. Uh, those are the the two questions I had. I just wanted to keep it shipper related because I thought it was a wonderful thing. I do have to agree with you that the uh, slew of D list characters in the <gasps> show yeah. was awesome. Oh, that's cool, right? Yep. it yeah. was. But Charlie Brown already got beaten up earlier on, so I wonder yeah. how he got out. Or Charles Brown, however he's referred. Just to clarify the ratings, I looked it up while we were sitting here. Um, turns out they only have four ratings. They have Eve everyone, which says it's appropriate for all readers um, may contain cartoon violence or comic mischief. Now, if it isn't that, then it automatically goes to teen, which specifically says that uh, it's for readers 12 years and older may contain mild violence language or suggestive themes, which I mean, I guess anything with Batman is going to contain some sort of mild violence. So that makes sense. Teen plus says it's for 15 and up may contain may contain moderate violence, mild profanity, graphic imagery, or suggestive themes. So I guess the best thing we should do is at some point we should take a teen book and a teen plus book and compare the two to figure out what makes it plus, but without just it being a thing to sell a book, I guess. And then, of course, there's Mature, which says 17 and up. Intense violence, extensive profanity, nudity, sexual themes, and other content suitable only for older older readers. So, yeah. So, anyway. All right. So, Batman, I'm going to give four out of five. Uh, yeah, yeah, four out of five. It's good. Five out of five. 
Whoa! Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this story wraps up next issue, though. Mm-hmm. Well, because Tom has an amazing job with Beginning. part one, and then, yeah. Well, there's only two, so let's hope Hopefully. it's okay. All right. got to clean then, up uh, the diamonds. That'll be the first part of issue number two, is like sweeping up the diamonds that she blew away on the roof. Oh. Uh. All right, and then oh, over okay. on the website, Matthew Matthew gave it four and a half out of five. So that's going to give Batman a total of four and a half out of five batarangs. Let's move into our last book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 948, written by James Tynion IV and Margaret Bennett, art by Ben Oliver. Uh, this issue is entitled Batwoman Begins Part 1. We see Batwoman two years ago. Uh, she is testing out a grapple gun that her father, Jacob Kane, has constructed for her. She's weary about using it because she's afraid her arm is going to get pulled out of its socket. Um, as we see, she is actually hunting down Batman because uh, for the last five nights, she has been following Batman, trying to understand exactly how he works. As she returns back to back home, she talks with Jacob about how she needs to understand exactly what she's doing in Gotham and what makes her different from Bat- Batman. And uh, he specifically asks her, well, what can Batwoman do that Batman can't? And she says, I don't know, but I'm excited to figure out together. In the present time, she stares at her father through some monitors as he's imprisoned in the Belfry. Uh, meanwhile, Batman says that he needs her specifically, not the team, to meet him at the Argus quarantined area. Now, this is the area that uh, was that the Night of Monsters final battle took place. Where we have the carcass of the monster that, uh, according to Batman, was supposed to be taken away a long time ago by Argus, but something happened. And now seagulls have eaten some of the monster and are becoming mutated seagull monster men. Um, as they take down a couple of these, we are introduced to a new character who is called... Uh, Dr. Victoria October. She is the head scientist who works for Argus, who deals with human biology and how humans or biology and that kind of stuff can be used as a weapon towards humanity. Um, she talks about how she she would have hurried up and and taken care taking taking care of the uh, the monster's carcass, but unfortunately they realized that by moving the carcass itself, it was creating a reaction that was causing other m- monsters to begin with. Um, they also show some sort of other s- weird looking, it looks like a dinosaur chicken. I, I don't know how to compare it, but they, they show this other carcass that they've also been dealing with. Um, she also says that there's been somebody who has come to the carcass themselves they they recovered three canisters from the monster basically enough to engineer a strain capable of uh creating a dozen monsters of the size of the the giant monster that they previously battled um she brings up the security footage and it turns out it's a member of the colony at the belfry someone named simon appears and communicates with uh jacob kane through a monitor that he is there to to get him out of the belfry um as uh jacob kane says no there's no one there's no way that anybody gave you permission or authorization to do this and he says uh that's the clearly things will be coming later um now it's time to get you out. Then all of a sudden Batman and Batwoman show up and they decide that they're going to take him out. Um, then all of a sudden he uploads some sort of software that creates some sort of, 
what appears to be lightning electricity coming out of the walls that targets Batman and Batwoman. And he declares that uh, whenever the colony needs their most dangerous work done, they don't send an army. They send me Uh, next up war criminal. There's, there's two things I want to discuss. So obviously this is a Batwoman centric story. It's this issue and the next issue are really supposed to be like Batwoman zero for the upcoming Batwoman rebirth title uh, that's debuting next month with its one shot. And then the following month in March with its very first issue. So uh, the, I wanted to talk about what you thought of the portrayal of Batwoman in general. Um, Of course, as we know, during the new 52 Batwoman dealt with a lot of the supernatural stuff. Um, So it's interesting that we, we come back to this area of the monsters and that, in some ways, I guess you could consider this supernatural, even though it's not, it's just outside of the normal realm of what Batman would be dealing with because it's, you know, normal, but they, they actually have an explanation using science as described by Dr. October. Um, So did you think that this issue, you know, it's, it it works well as a Batwoman story um, by itself, you know, obviously Batman's included and there's other characters that are involved, but this is obviously leading up to the Batwoman series with uh, Margaret Bennett being one of the writers who's writing this story. So how did you feel like this, this did for Batwoman specifically? It's, I think it's fine. I mean, it's, it it's kind of puts the focus on her and it, it's, I'm going to see her spin off, like you said, and go off on her own, her own book. Um, I like seeing the version that would be the, the Batwoman before her dad goes nuts when she is first getting situated in Gotham mm-hmm. and yeah. seeing that, I mean, the older book, he was very much like her Alfred, you know, um, which is why his turn was kind of um, a head scratching moment. I mean, I get it. It's not that it was wrote badly. It just, that was when I really did legitimately didn't see coming till it happened, till it happened. Um, but I think it's fine. Um, he seems to have a good grasp of the character. There's nothing that happens here that pops out at me as way out of character. She's not breaking new ground here, but she's not also breaking the ground that was there before. Yeah, yeah we get a little bit of her in the past. And it's not, I guess it depends on where they go from there, because really it seems like an inconsequential scene. Um, you know, her starting off, which we've we've sort of seen her in the beginning before. So I, I hope that it builds up to something. Is this going to be a six-issue story arc as well? No, it's only two issues. Okay. Then I don't know why they picked this particular scene about the – it kind of reminds me actually of Batgirl Year One because remember when Batgirl had her little rope and she was swinging down and then Batman cut the rope and she was really upset and Batman was saying, well, like the tensile strength was off so like her arm would have been ripped out. So it's a nice little – do you remember this? Hello? <laughs> Okay, whatever. I'm the only one who knows about Batgirl Year One. I'll move on with it. Um, So anyways, it it just reminds me of that. I don't know if it's like the most special uh, origin scene I would have seen, but I think the most important part is that she's trying to keep tabs on Batman or at least, you know, understand him a little bit more. But of course, Batman's one step ahead of her and she feels inadequate. So I guess Batwoman is very similar to Batgirl in the end. And I guess your comments on Supernatural. um, (laughs) Well, I, I was thinking like, when they the ski seagull i can't remember how you phrase it like the monster seagull man it reminded me like i was gonna try to make a like a steven seagull joke because maybe that's uh what they were turning into but anyways uh you know her book usually has supernatural elements so i think it, it makes sense that they sort of bleed through but 
your main question with um, with all of this. I think it's fine. Uh, I'm a bit bummed it's only two issues, but I guess that makes sense if she's getting her own book. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it was like amazing, but it, it does uh, an adequate job. As far as Batwoman's portrayal here, I, I don't think it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I do agree that the the flashback dealing with Batwoman before her father goes nuts, I, it works well. I hope that we do get to see more flashbacks or her time prior to her father, you know, raising the colony and, and going off and attacking Gotham city um, because that does work well. And I think part of the aspect of her original series, um, you know, back in the new 52, I think it worked very well when she was with her father. Um, it, her book kind of in some ways went off the rails once her father was uninvolved. Um, now that's not to say she, isn't a a good enough character on her own to carry its title, but you have to have a good supporting cast for the character. I mean, detective comics works very well, not just because it's a Batman book, but because there's a Batman and then there's all of his supporting characters that pop up in that book as well. Um, And that's why I enjoy detective comics so much because not just because of Batman, but because of the entire group of characters that are part of that book. So like for Batwoman, I mean, this applies to any book. It applies to Bat- Batgirl. I mean, like, honestly, when you look at the characters that have been popping up in the pages of Batgirl, they haven't been really memorable. None of them, no- nobody's really cared that much about the characters. And now we're coming back to Gotham. So hopefully we'll deal with more characters that we're more familiar with, which means more people will pay attention to what's happening in the pages of Batgirl. Um, but the idea is that if, as long as, the supporting cast is it works well that it makes sense for us to have good characters. Um, the so her father is a good supporting character for her, um, but if he's locked up in in the belfry, I'm not sure how much he can really play into it unless either Simon, this colony member, breaks him out, which is entirely possible, or the fact that uh, we just deal with him in flashbacks, which is also entirely possible. So, like, her father's a good character, um, but, like, Maggie has left. She's no longer in Gotham. She went back to Metropolis, is currently in the oh. Superman books. So there's nothing that – it's not like Maggie's going to be popping up in her series anytime soon. Uh, we've seen hints that Renee may pop up because she's been in the pages of Detective Comics dealing with Batwoman specifically. So, I mean – Maybe we go, maybe they go the route of, you know, Renee being her love interest, or maybe they go with somebody new. Who knows? But uh, leading into my next question, now I came across this article on Bleeding Cool the morning that this issue came out, and it was talking about how there was a new character in the pages of Detective Comics that is transgender. Now, I had already read the comic by when before I saw this article. I was completely unaware that there was a character that was introduced that was trans. I did. I had no idea. So I read through the article on bleeding cool talking about, you know, who this character is. And it turns out they're referencing that uh, this Dr. Victoria October is actually a trans character. Now they point out really? specific words that I, I, I guess if you were trans or you were more familiar with the LGBT community, maybe you would understand that that's what they're referencing. I, I guess I'm just ignorant when it comes to this because I didn't, I didn't have any idea. And I'm not saying that it needs to be very blatant because obviously we've gone that route before and it doesn't necessarily turn out well for characters down the line because it turns out that that's all that anybody focuses on. Um, But specifically they're talking about, 
um, they, they referenced uh, two different statements that she made. She said something about my pupil stage. And then she said something about the fact that uh, she, her, her previous deadening didn't have half the panache um, as previous. And that's what the, I guess, Rich Johnston, who is the owner of Bleeding Cool, who wrote up the article. I'm guessing that's what he's referencing. Um, but he specifically said, uh, pupil and dead name are the giveaway there. Dr. Victoria October is a trans female scientist with a white stripe and a cane and surrounded by silhouettes. And that's it. The story moves on. So he's not trying to make a big deal about it either, but it, he's saying that this character is trans. Now, not knowing that, you know, not being super familiar with, you know, the, I guess, the idea of things that people would reference and things like that when it comes to transgender, I wasn't aware of it. So the question that I pose to you two is one, did you recognize it Two, Because I'm assuming you both didn't recognize it. If you didn't recognize it, um, <laughs> I did not. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's just clear that. Did you recognize it? No, I, 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 until you literally just told me, I had no idea. No, I wasn't sure what she was talking about. I, I figured there was something like I thought she was an alien like she, or something. Uh, yeah, or I thought like maybe she changed her name and she, she was like a life model decoy. I don't know, but I I didn't get that. No, that, but that's my point. I mean, like if you aren't familiar with what she's talking about, I'm not sure how you would know what she is. And the fact that the response from you know was. I thought she was an alien or I thought she was a life model decoy <laughs> by itself is, is, is kind of all those situations where I'm not real oh, sure no. that it, you know, that, you know, explaining it this way where some random article on bleeding cool is telling us ignorant folk that uh, she's transgender because we don't know. Now, is it relevant? No, not at this point. I don't really feel like it's relevant. And I honestly feel like they did a good job of just kind of like introducing the character. Clearly, she's a character that I'm sure Batwoman is going to come in contact with again in the future. They wouldn't have taken the time to give her a full name and some sort of backstory, at least if they if she was just going to be brushed aside and not be relevant in the future. But that being said, do you feel as if sometimes when they introduce characters, do you feel like this would be a good way to go about it where... Yes, you look at some, you know, some readers like ourselves wouldn't understand what they're talking about, wouldn't get it, but it's not being just, you know, upfront like the uh, Alicia Yo situation in Batgirl where she was just basically, she declares out loud, I used to be trans. Um, so which route do you think works better or do you feel like there's a different route that should should work for these characters? I think that it's it's the difference is when Gail Simone did it, she was banging pots and pans together and was trying to make a point. And I think JT here is just trying to introduce a new character. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think that's the difference. Gail Simone is lover, lover, hater. She is very political and she likes to make strongly. And I don't particularly care, but she did it. So we would notice he's just introducing a character here. I just figured this was going to be like, kind of going to be, I was assuming everything done in these couple of issues are setting up the Batwoman on solo book. Right. So I assume that this new character was just going to be her kooky science friend in Argus. So, yeah, I mean, it's fine character. I mean, she's we're going to need a, a like you said, a, a book has to have a good supporting cast. Um, you put this character in her father. Maybe we got the beginnings of a, of a good supporting cast. You're in a bit of a bad spot because you want to introduce the character. 
Um, and the character is not defined by um, being transgender or being gay or a lesbian, right? It's the character first. So she's Dr. October Science. before anything yeah. else. Um, but if you're going in and knowing as a writer that um, she's going to be, you know, she is a transgender character. If you want to relay that at the beginning, um, it's better to lay, I guess, cookie crumbs rather than it being out in your face and like, look at this, you know, in Sparkling Lights, my tra- the transgender character, because you don't want her to be a token character, you know, uh, you know, oh, that's the trans of the book, you know, we don't want that. We want it. So I think um, while I did not catch on to the hints, um, I think that this is the way that would be preferred than the um, out in your face and not developed well. Um, And so I think hopefully if we have these breadcrumbs um, and, and I almost wish now it'll be interesting to see how it develops, but you know, not knowing what was going on sort of a mystery. Cause who knows if Kate knows Batman clearly knows because they knew each other, like he would have known her when she was a guy. Um, so Batwoman though, doesn't necessarily know. So I feel like, this is very subtle and so perhaps if she is a reoccurring character we'll see it developed and then it'll become more um understand like we would we would get it like oh okay and that that was done well because it was subtle and everything it should not be out in the face you know in your face and it should not be you know you think of this person like dr october she's a transgender character it should just be dr october like that's really what we should care about we should care about her as a character rather than a label or um just a, a way to force diversity upon us. Uh, so I think this was a successful way. Um, though we didn't get it, I think that's perhaps a failing on our part um, rather than the writer. Oh, right. And I'm not trying to say by any means that the writer did anything wrong here. I think that it's it, it was done well where I was slightly confused reading it and trying to understand exactly what she was referring to because I didn't understand why someone would be throwing these specific terms in and I just didn't connect the dots. And then I just happened to see the article and I was like, oh, I, I guess that makes sense. I that, that I works. figured it was breadcrumbs. Like I, I think it was gonna be I figured it'd be breadcrumbs and, and we'd be exploring this character in the Batwoman book, honestly. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're trying to give us like a mysterious backstory. Yeah, so, and I guess so uh, I, I guess if 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 uh, bleeding cool is wrong and I we just sat here and discussed it and she's not actually trans, that makes it even more breadcrummy, I guess, because Crummy. Yeah, that's even that's a weird way to put it, but that, that that's even more mysterious because if it's not that, if she's then not, she is a she's a robot. Yeah, yeah, an alien. Let's let's hope that they're not going that route. But um, but yeah, um, but I think I like the idea of it being subtle, where you know we don't necessarily know what's going on, um, because obviously, like like we all said, it's very obvious that this character is going to have something to do with Batwoman going forward. They would have never introduced this character in the book if it wasn't for her playing some role in the Batwoman series going forward. Maybe Batwoman on the side is doing missions for Argus instead of, uh, what was it, the DEO before. So maybe the DEO is constricted to the Supergirl series now um, because of that. But anyway. Mm, good point. Um, so maybe Argus is is, is involved. But the, the idea is I, I enjoyed the way it was done even though in some ways bleeding cool ruined whatever the, the, the subtlety that was trying to get it be to, to, to try to come across from the writer. So 
um, in that regard, I'll leave it at that. Um, uh, I pose this, this question to the listeners who would be listening or who would be reading the comics who aren't necessarily part of the LGBT community. Uh, did you know, or, or did you figure out what she was referencing or not? Um, and if you did not, then do you feel like now that you know, do you think it was done well or not? So with that, uh, I'm going to give Detective Comics a total of three and a half out of five batterings. Um, Yeah, three and a half. It sounds about the right rating to me. Uh, Three and a half as well. All right. And over on the website, Ian gave it three and a half. So that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three and a half out of five batterings. That is all of our books. Let's jump over to Greater Gotham. Uh, first up, on January 4th, uh, main TBU books. We already talked about Batman number 14. Nightwing number 12, DeFacer has been framed for a murder, and Nightwing comes to realize that everything is not as black and white as Gotham sometimes makes it seem. Uh, after realizing that a real estate mogul is behind the murders, Nightwing must face Orca. Uh, this review by David. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Uh, thumbs up. Uh, neutral. Uh, next up, Harley Quinn number 11. Harley meets with the Joker and explains that they do not have a future. After Joker leaves, Red Tool arrives to provide a much-needed distraction for Harley. The issue ends with Red Tool deciding he will meet up with the Joker. This is reviewed by David. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Uh, thumbs up. Abstain. And for those of you who ha- ha- heard Stella say abstain, we are now adding abstain to our ratings uh, abstain basically means we were unable to read the comic prior to us talking about it. So, uh, pause, obviously, busy, if say, yes, we are busy and there's a lot of books to read on a weekly basis. Uh, so if we give it a thumbs up, good book, neutral, neutral book, thumbs down, bad book, abstain. We didn't have time to read the book. Okay. All right, secondary TBU books, none that, that, that week. Justice League number 12, a tie-in issue to the Justice League versus Suicide Squad event that focuses on the backstory and history of Maxwell Lord. This was by Paul. He gave it zero out of five. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my word. And I actually went back first? and looked, and we have not had a zero out of five <laughs> in years. Wow. I, was, I didn't oh think it was zero out of five material. I did. I would say like for as far as a Justice League title, it was a thumbs down. But as a tie into the event, <laughs> I would say it was a neutral. So that's where I'm at. Uh, I'm going to give it. I, I didn't like it. I'm, I'm going to give it a thumbs down. I don't know if it's like the worst comic ever wrote. But I want to high five this guy, frankly. Uh, thumbs down for me, too. All right. And then Justice League vs. Suicide Squad number three is the league is taken to Bell Reeve. Batman learns from Waller of a threat which must bring the two teams together, the original Suicide Squad, meaning the team that is going to the, – the Justice League and the Suicide Squad are going to have to face – is the original very first Suicide Squad. This is by Jim. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Um, Yeah, neutral-ish. Yeah. Neutral. All right. And then uh, secondary DC Universe books, uh, DC Comics Bombshells number 21, which includes digital chapters number 61 through 63. Kate Kane, Renee Montoya, and Selena Degati face Cheetah, the murderer of Jason now possessed by a supernatural entity. They get their new gear from, they get new gear from Vixen's armory, including animal unaffiliated mobile. 
which each member of the team immediately claims for their own avatar. They find an ancient temple full of traps and snakes with Kate saving Selena's life. However, Selena is secretly communicating with a bald man. Green Arrow, number 14, with Black Canary disguised as a police officer. Green Arrow chases the archer, framing him for the murders, which ends up to be Malcolm Merlin. And then in Justice Ground Zero, number three, digital chapters number five through six, just as Harley begins to feel more independent as the leader of the Joker resistance, the Joker returns and makes Harley question herself. Meanwhile, the alternate Batman is captured by the regime. All right, moving on to our second week of books, January 11th. We already talked about Detective Comics and All-Star Batman. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, number six. The birds must deal with the attack of the snake gang as Huntress must put aside her feelings of vengeance for justice. Meanwhile, Gus, the new Oracle, is revealed to be working for someone. Uh, this was reviewed by Ian. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, neutral. Neutral. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number six. After a few desperate plans, the Dark Trinity breaks the mind connection between Bizarro and Black Mask. With their victory, Batman gives his blessing to Jason for the group to continue to working to work together, not as heroes, but as outlaws. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Can't believe I'm still there. Yes, thumbs up again. Thumbs up. Gotham Academy second semester number five is Colton is accused of stealing a map and is set to be expelled. The detective club members help in different ways to prove that he shouldn't be expelled. This is by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, abstain. Thumbs up. No secondary TVU books. Uh, main DC Universe books. Titans number seven. The Titans are taking s- some downtime and setting up their new base of operations in Manhattan. Flash has a race with Superman and is pleased to know that someone actually remembers him from the past timeline. So you by Jim. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Neutral. Suicide Squad number nine, a tie-in to the Justice League versus Suicide Squad event that features the original Suicide Squad on a mission to destroy weapons of mass destruction on a small island near Japan. The team ends up being a little too greedy and pays the price for it. So you by Corbin. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Uh, thumbs up as well. Neutral. Justice League vs. Suicide Squad number four. The fight we are waiting for happens as the Justice League teams with the Suicide Squad to take down the first Suicide Squad. Just as just when it looks like the good guys are winning, Maxwell Lord re- reveals that he is in bed with Eclipso. This is reviewed by Matthew. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Mm, neutral. Neutral. And then secondary DC Universe books, Earth 2 Society number 20. Batman Dick Grayson, Batman's son John, and Huntress Helena Wayne work with Citizen Steel to find central control to stop the ultra-humanite. The Flash number 14, with a brief mention of Captain Boomerang's current affiliation with the Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn and Killer Croc, both make a brief cameo. Justice League, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number one, and what is mostly an introduction story to the Power Rangers, after an attack, the Black Ranger is teleported to Gotham City and runs into Batman. The confusion of new masked people causes a fight, and the rest of the Rangers arrive to try and take on Batman. Flash appears only to have Batman kidnapped by the Pink Rangers' Dinozord. New Superman number seven, Batman of China is present, and his school, the Academy of the Bat, is introduced, where the top student challenges the Batman of China for the cowl. And then uh, finally, our TBU trade and hardcovers from the past two weeks include Catwoman, Volume 6, Final Jeopardy trade paperback, Grayson, Volume 5, Spirals End trade paperback, Green Arrow, Volume 1, The Life, the Death and Life of Oliver Queen, trade paperback. Dark Knight 3, The Master Race Collector's Edition, book number 7. Batman, Volume 1, I Am Gotham, trade paperback. Green Arrow, Volume 7, Homecoming, trade paperback. Injustice, Gods Among Us, Year 2, The Complete Collection, trade paperback. 
So that is everything that released from the past two weeks. Uh, now we are going to jump straight into our bat signal. So as far as listener Q&As, we have just a couple comments, but they are long comments. So we're going to kind of, with uh, Stella kind of regulating where she wants to stop and pause and things like that, uh, we're going to go through these comments, but we're going to pause in, in the midst of them because there's a lot of remarks made by the very lengthy comments. That's not a bad thing, but I don't want to miss stuff and uh, not comment on certain things that's uh, being told. So going to first start off with our first comment, which comes from Jerry. Congratulations, Dustin, on the new addition to the family. My wife and I wish you and your family all the best. Great show as always, and thanks for the shout out to Chris and myself taking over Bat Books for Beginners. We hope it will be as good as the past incarnations of the show. It has been a lot of fun for Chris and I. About the banana splits. The splits were four guys in freaky animal suits that did comedy skits and played songs between cartoons. The budgets were low and the gags were absurd. The theme song was very similar to the chorus of Buff- Buffalo Soldiers by Bob Marley, and the show did it first. Now, if they do a story with H.R. Puffin stuff, that would be something. I'm still waiting for my Batman 66 meets Dark Shadows. Many. Hmm. Barnabas and Dr. Hoffman joined the dynamic duo to fight the team-up of Count Pet. Patofi and Hugo Strange, who are experimenting on Quentin Collins to develop a Wolfman version of the Langstrom virus so Mr. Freeze can win the Iditarod. Glorious. All right, let's pause there. Uh, so Why not? Real, real quick, um, can't say I'm, I would be looking forward to a Dark Shadows crossover, but hey, whatever floats your boat. Um, banana Splits. <laughs> I actually went back, and it turns out years ago, Warner Brothers actually sent the website a review copy of some sort of like Saturday morning cartoon special. I think it was like called Saturday Morning Cartoons Volume Two or something like that. And amongst the the items that were actually included on this disc, there was Banana Splits. And I went back, and we actually had Banana Splits as a name tagged on the site to an article from, I want to say it was like 2010. So it was clearly a long time ago. And I don't even know why we would have been sent this because Batman wasn't on the discs at all. So no idea why. Um, But because it was sent to us, we reviewed it. And I remember I I had to go back and actually read the review because it had been so long since I remembered. But I watched an episode on YouTube to get myself acquainted with it. And let's just say uh, Bat crazy comes to mind when watching those peoples. And what did we learn today? What we learned was, even if it's not Batman related and you send it to Dustin, he'll review it. So Absolutely. Yeah, so no, that that say, used to be true. That used to be true years ago when I was trying to make good with Warner Brothers. Now, I now if something's Batman related, I don't. It's not Batman related. I try to just tell them, no, I don't. I'm not interested. So, so send in your home videos, your homemade movies about cats or whatever, and Dustin will be oh. glad, glad to. Re- re- I, re- I don't even write cats reviews in the anymore. Snow. I don't even write reviews anymore. So, so you're right. Dustin <laughs> will assign a reviewer to whatever material you yeah. like. To send so just send cats in anything in you like. So if you send, yeah, cats in the snow videos are going to go immediately <laughs> yeah. to Stella. And she'll be reviewing your 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 that and any home videos that will be designated to Ed. So well, send them away. Unless some home videos of gorillas come in or monkeys, then you can get proper reviewing yourself. That's true. 
if it's a monkey attack, I've seen plenty of those. <laughs> You're ridiculous, Dustin. A monkey attack? Yes. Like, I've actually watched videos of where people fall in monkey cages and get attacked. Because they were doing something they shouldn't have been. Exactly. That's what it always comes down to. All right, let's continue on with this comment. Yeah, sure. I do want to say in regards to Dark Shadows, I used to watch that when I was younger with my mom. It came on um, It came on sci-fi, like repeat. So I totally know that, and I'm into it. Um, I didn't see the film version with um, Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp. because yeah, like it seemed like it was going to be a bastardization of, of the yep. original. Well, yeah. And, and they take the old classic stuff, and they make it bad. But anywho, I'm sure there are people that enjoy that. The Booster Gold, back to the email. The Booster Gold Flintstones Annual will be written by Mark Russell, so I'm sure it will be, be I'm sure it will be mind blowing. Maybe they will think Booster Gold is the next coming of the bedrock god, Gerald. Booster would like that. Regarding Selena's Manson killing spree, I agree. I just don't see how they can think that kind of body count is okay for her character. And as much as I am hanging in with detective comics, I feel like I was promised one thing at the start of Rebirth and have ended up with something very different and not as good. There better be a plan up DC's sleeve on both counts to pull this out of the weeds. My question to you all is, where do you think Brother Panic is going? I am reviewing the book and being hard on it for now, but it could turn into something great. I can't put my finger on it, but there is an element in Violet's character that is so broken and raw that you somehow identify with her even when she is being a psycho and not a happy psycho like Harley, more of a bunny boiler. <laughs> what a crazy, crazy way to phrase that. Bunny boiler. I can honestly say I've never heard that before. Um, now, I, okay, so there's a couple of points here. I don't have anything in regards to the Flintstones, um, but the, the the one thing I, I guess I would like clarification on Jerry is when you say that you were you feel like you were promised one thing at the start of Rebirth when it comes to both Batman and Detective Comics, but you're but you're something it's it's uh, it's something very different and not as good. I'm curious to know what you were expecting because. It's the one thing that I mean, like Detective Comics, I've enjoyed. I I've been liking. Um, I don't really feel like it's anything different than what we were promised. Um, when it comes to Batman, on the other hand, I don't know that I was really expecting anything. And honestly, this the 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 Batman Catwoman story that we just got that we reviewed this episode uh, that was good. But there has been issues with the other story arcs. But I guess the question that I present back to you is what were you thinking you were going to get based off of promotional materials or whatever they were releasing prior to it launching in June? Uh, That's my first question. So then to answer your question about mother panic, I honestly feel like mother panic is going to be the slowest, slowest burn imaginable before we get anywhere. And that's just because I feel like the young animal stuff in general is very, very, story oriented where they don't care about how long it takes for them to get to whatever the point is. I don't know how well I I haven't seen sales numbers yet um, to know where I didn't pay attention to sales numbers for the first issue, but I don't count. I don't look at first issues because that's always, it's always skewed because it's issue number one, but I'm curious to know when issue, you know, now that issue two is released, what the, what the sales numbers for issue two was, compared to issue one to see how much of a drop off there is. Um, I feel like the young animal stuff is DC's way of like excusing the fact that the sales could be lower. Um, They're putting a lot of effort into this young animal imprint through uh, advertising and marketing and, 
you know, just the promotion at, at the conventions and stuff like that. So I have to believe that there's a, a lower standard um, to what is acceptable sales. And I honestly want to put it in line with Vertigo, not to say that Vertigo stuff's not good or anything like that, but the sales are expected to do much less for Vertigo stuff than it does the mainstream DC stuff. So that being said, the focus normally in Vertigo is always, you know, character-driven stories by creators telling their own stories that have nothing necessarily to do with DC-related stuff, obviously. Um, but I feel as if Mother Panic is exactly that. We're not going to see a whole lot of explanation and, and character um, building for a long time. Like, we'll see, like, slow build. Slow, slow build. That's what I see for this title. But I honestly don't know what direction they will go. I mean, like the fact that it's taking place in Gotham city and the fact that we have Batman who has, is at least, you know, you know, cameoed in the book, essentially. I have to wonder why it's taking place in Gotham city and not somewhere else other than just to say it's in Gotham city, just like the new car, uh, the new sitcom powerless is just happens to be taking place in Gotham city now. So, Couple things, dark shadows. Sure, why not? I mean, this the sixty stuff. They'll cross over with anything. So, dark shadows. And in fact, your your plot seems pretty well lined out. I just John's. But does dark shadows really? Is is anybody actually making dark shadow comics right now? Because that's the biggest thing. It has to be a company that's licensing the characters for them to be able to do a crossover, and that's. I mean, like, I don't know because I don't pay attention to non-TBU books or DC books for that matter. So You snob. Yeah, I'm a, so I know, I'm a TBU snob. That's fine. But doesn't got Batman or Detective Chimp in it. He's not interested. Yeah. Um, well, that's not completely true because there are – I've been reading a lot more DC stuff since Rebirth because I've been, been enjoying stuff. But that's not to say yeah. – yeah, there is some good stuff. But that's not to say that 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 uh, I'm going to seek out, you know, what's being produced by Boom Studios, who has a book about Dark Shadows that I would never read for any other reason. I mean, that's all I'm saying. Like, I don't know if th- th- I feel like any '60s characters that they could cross over, they probably already have crossed over with because anybody who exists who is popular enough to actually have comics continued to be made and. You know, some publisher paying licensing rights to own those rights or to own those characters or to, to write about the characters. I feel like we probably already got it. That's why we've gotten back to one. I know I'm just repeating what I said last episode. But yeah, it's OK. Um, Mother Panic. Um, I think that what we're seeing, Dustin, you talk about the slow burn there. I think this has become like this slow burn thing has become kind of like a part of our, our culture and entertainment right now. There are some television shows, even shows that I enjoy, that it takes forever to get anywhere. Name an example. Give us some examples. Man in the High Castle? That's a good one. That's a very good one. I mean, it's... Slow burn. That basically took two seasons to get to a main main thing. Yeah. And And it's not poorly done, but it is so, like... You talk about breadcrumbs. So we'll give you three minutes of the the big question of, of the whole series. You know what I'm yeah, saying? And like, you've got all this other stuff that has hardly anything to do with the main point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, even Game of Thrones that I love, like, it seems like that, that, that sometimes the pacing on that is like, come on, let's go. Let's go. You know, like, get to the last three episodes because all the good stuff will be in the last three episodes, you know? Um, 
uh, The Expanse. There's a show I watch on Sci-Fi that did that. Um, the 100 on CW is. Come on, let's go. Let's you know. Um, I disagree with you. Maybe in the first season, but second was like first season was insanely yeah, get- quick and like really had me on the edge. Did you get to three yet, though? I'm cur- I'm halfway. Yeah, so I think three is a little slower too. Okay. Like I think it just I think it's me. It's like this. Come on, come on, come on. I'm, I just think this happens a lot more now. You know, um, that the, the, we things that are and, and we plus we seem like we're building for cliffhangers more. I mean, how many I, times I, do we I have? Feel a like series- that's definitely the case. They're they're building towards mid-season uh, finales and season finales to leave you wanting more for the next season or the, you know, whenever there's new episodes coming and that's what it ends up being. And then, then of course you have shows that they do that and then it, it works against them because they run into you the problem. Of when is the, when's the next time the show is actually going to be coming back? And yeah. And then oh, cancellations. Yeah. I don't know if anyone, if you guys watched a show called Ascension. Um, it was a science fiction show a couple years ago. It had some of the people from Battlestar Galactica. It was really good, but they would do the same. They played for season two, and it got canceled after one season. Incomplete story. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I'm just picking it now. I hate that. Um, but yeah, I think Mother Panic is slower. But I don't. I I kind of I'm enjoying this the 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 issues. I think that the the little mystery with her father is kind of nice. Um, I like the fact it's in Gotham just because there's a possibility of maybe. I don't know what characters they'll let them use. I don't think you're going to get Batman in the book all the time, but you could get maybe some villains or some side characters in there. Um, I, I mean, I, I just, I don't know why, but I've, I've, the story is, I don't think it's the best story I ever wrote, but with two issues in, I'm still interested enough to, to keep reading it. So it could go somewhere interesting. So with that, we're going to move into our next comment and it comes from Sterling. First of all, I just want to say that Sterling is an amazing name. And second of all, I wondered if Sterling was Sterling Silversmith and he's actually a villain and he's posting on this website. Um, well, I the just fact started that his name, his say. last name says, I would, pre- I would assume it's pronounced Britain, which also seems like seems King of the Who could be a villain name. What on earth? <laughs> well, um, it could be, you know, sometimes villains use these names known as aliases. So I just wanted to throw in. I'm on to you. I just started listening to your podcast about two months ago, and I've really been enjoying it. I agree that Selena's killing spree is out of character, but I truly feel that it will turn out she did not kill anyone. For Detective Comics, I agree that they need to keep the team consistent for more than one arc instead of a team member leaving every arc as it seems to be going. On the upside, with Cassandra being the focus of the next big arc, I cannot see any way she would leave the team or Gotham. I'm sad Tim and Stephanie are gone, but I'm excited for Jean-Paul Valley and Luke Fox to be brought back to a steady place in the Batman universe. Jean-Paul has always been one of my favorite characters, and I find Luke interesting because I feel he is different from most members of the Batman family as to why he became a vigilante. I've seen a couple articles discussing the team and Stephanie. It sounds like James Tynion still has more stories planned for Stephanie, and from that and Detective 947, my guess is she will still be around, but more to the back, and as someone who isn't trying to hurt the team, but cause a little trouble and make them see her view, aka spoiler. As for the team, it sounds like the plan, as for the team, it sounds like the plan is for it to be a fluid team. 
Hopefully it doesn't change every arc and it will be consistent for a while. Other than Harperell, yay, Harper, and the members who have their own books, can you think of any Bat Family members that have not been seen for a while and could be brought into the team? I, 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 I agree with practically all your comments. I, I really like the idea that you just started listening to the podcast two months ago. If you want to send us another comment, how did you hear about us? Yeah. That's always, that's always good to know. Um, if whether it be you know Facebook or Twitter or somebody some or other podcast online marketing to, campaign, yeah, that that Yikes. is non-existent because we don't have marketing <laughs> budget. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, like if it was if somebody was on a show and and or another podcast you listen to, I, I'm always interested in knowing how people heard about the podcast when they first listened to it or whatever. So uh, chime in and share that, Sterling, and everybody else who wants to leave comments. Let us know how you found us originally and when it was um specifically dealing with your question um what other bat family members when you posted up this comment i really was i I really spent some time trying to like think of who else could pop back up and honestly i really couldn't come up with a whole lot of characters that make sense Um, there are characters that you could have pop back up but none of them really are as well known as the characters who've already returned, like Sean Paul Valley, um, Luke Fox. I, I don't consider him. A, he's a newer character. I mean, he's he's only been around since Batman Incorporated, really. So it's not a character that I'm going to sit here and think to myself, yes, this is a character they really need to bring back. But it's a character that they're utilizing that was underutilized. Um, looking at the other characters they brought back with Steph and Cassandra and to even to a degree, Tim Drake, because he wasn't really involved that much during the new 52 with the bat family. Um, but now he he's, he's in quote, air quotes that you can't see um, as Ed likes to say um, he, he's dead. So he's not really involved right now, but he at least is appearing once in a while in the pages of detective comics. Um, but like thinking about who else could pop up, I honestly can't even fathom who could pop up i was thinking of some other characters uh there was a character in the early 2000s called orpheus um if you know who i'm talking about great on you probably Mm -hmm. those of you who are not super familiar with early 2000 tbu books you probably don't know who i'm talking about uh the character wasn't around for that long but did have a prominent role and there was a mini series where you know talking about it's rising that's right uh so so there's that um but i I couldn't really even think of but the character wasn't big enough like when you compare it to all the other characters that they've brought back like cast and staff like none of them even fall in line like remotely close um i did think that it would be interesting to, and this isn't. This is going against what you said because you said that's not in there. Who doesn't have their own books? Um, I do like the idea of potentially having Batgirl as part of the team at some point, um, even though she is got her own book and she's also part of the Birds of Prey, or at least maybe see like a crossover with the Birds of Prey <gasps> and the team of Detective Comics. Yes, and I see like that could happen down the line. I mean, obviously, we're not even a year into the storytelling aspect of what's been going on but we've gotten technically more than a year's worth of stories given that this book comes out twice a month so or you know so so that's so that's what i was thinking but like i can't think of any actual allies of batman that haven't really been focused on that i feel like should be focused on an anti-hero maybe i think poison ivy could be interesting on the team remember how she had that little turn and birds of prey what in new 50 yes there's um yeah 
Yeah, and I think that she done right may require a small amount of retooling or rebooting, but portraying her as that kind of environmentalist pop environmentalist anti-hero, I think she'd be interesting to add to the team. Um, I think we may have to look down the villain path on what villains we might, yeah, that, you know, that, that's probably the more likely route we would have to go. Like so Clayface leaves and then use a villain as part of the team. Yeah. Because think about it. Like, you know, and this kind of goes back to, to the comment before, but <clears throat> the pool, it's a, that's a deep pool, right? Yeah. But a team that's consists of Batwing, Orpheus, and isn't the all-star team that we were getting, you know what I'm saying? It's not red Robin spoiler. Okay. You know, um, so yeah, I think we'd probably have to go towards the villains. I think Poison Ivy would be a good fit. She's enough of a got a little bit of good in her. You could do kind of a fun environmental type story with it. Um, and I'm sure there's some other we could kick around there that would be okay. But I think that's the route you're going to have to go to add on the team. One year later, Harvey Dent mm. after All Star. No, like the like no 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 like or the, or the, or the story the one year later. Yeah, the story one year later. Like we're. Two Face, yeah. it's technically Harvey Dent because Two Face has kind of been subdued. But two, you know, Harvey Dent is a vigilante in Gotham that basically Batman leaves in charge. That would be yeah, interesting. that's true. I, I, I could see maybe a fun story where they have to recruit Riddler. Riddler would be good saying? too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, something like Riddler that. in his private detective phase. Gotham City Sirens. Yeah, the Gotham City Sirens. Yeah, like if I think that could be interesting. So I think yeah, the question is going to be what try to re- rehabilitate next. Catwoman. Um, it'd be interesting to bring in the GCPD. It's it's been very silent. The interact the interactions between the police department and the vigilantes, and so and and I really liked that with Detective Comics when um, Bucciolato and Manipul were writing it. So I I kind of want to bring back um, either Gordon. Like he's been pretty quiet. Um, that'd be somebody to, you know, pretend, like, what if he was, like, a, also a Batman and he had his little suit? Um, Gordon or, you know, Bullock, so either street level or bring, uh, give Gordon a, a suit back. But You know, it's interesting because when you say that, I think to myself, I wonder if they're almost, like, not necessarily ignoring it because there are appearances, you know, we saw Renee, we've seen Gordon. But, like, the fact that there hasn't been a focus, I wonder if that's because the... You know, Snyder's story at the end of the New 52 was so GCPD heavy with the, you know, with Gordon being the bat, you know, in the bat suit and, you know, (laughs) basically uh, the GC and him working alongside the GCPD and both Detective and Batman. I wonder if there's a reason, if that's the reason we have seen very little, because I agree the Harvey Bullock stuff in Detective Comics was interesting and they were developing the character. Um, I'd love for them to develop Renee. Um, I don't necessarily want Cats Renee. To, snow. I don't want <laughs> Renee to get to the point where she becomes the question because I feel like they could develop the character and have her as a good supporting character as a member of the GCPD before she goes the vigilante route as the question later on. Um, so yeah, uh, I think the GCPD is a good call out. Yeah. All right. So our next comment comes from Ian Miller. I like to call him Ian Prime. Stella, just a side note, in the Batman the Brave and the Bold cartoon tie-in comics, Batman did get dunked in a Lazarus pit when the Phantom Stranger brings all the Robins, including Stephen Carey, together to save Batman's life. Obviously not a canon story, but tons of fun. That is a crazy, crazy call-out. I, I can admit, 
I can admit when I, in, uh, you know, I am schooled <laughs> in information and I would have never even remotely no, thought sure. about that appearance or, you know, that appearance oh. of the Lazarus pit. So yeah, that is deep a deep, pool. deep one. Yeah. Regarding All-Star Batman, I found the Commissioner Gordon plotline incredibly anticlimactic, and the Alfred stuff was just annoying. Snyder's endings continue to underwhelm. Uh-oh. I can only imagine what Ed's thinking. But at this point, I'm not even enjoying the beginnings. I thought this had a few fun moments of action, but I have to admit, I don't really enjoy Batman on a road trip as a concept. Be- maybe because I don't enjoy chase scenes in movies. I think, oh dear, he's probably never seen a Jason Bourne film. And he listens to the show. And he definitely didn't like the Jason Bourne film. Yeah, I guess. I think Snyder's plan for Two Face was too simple. It was too similar to James Jr.'s plan in Black Mirror, and I really, really hated what they did with Gordon and the police breaking into the mansion. That was exactly what I would have predicted. A fake out that renders the whole situation emotionally embarrassing and completely unnecessary for the story. This series had really nice art, as you point out, but the story just doesn't feel really fresh or powerful like the best of Snyder's stuff has. All right, so let's talk about this real quick. Yeah, so, I knew you were going to. Well, I, if I don't, I mean, <laughs> we know that Ed's going to bring it back up. Now, well, here's the thing. I, I have no problem admitting that I also was not a huge fan of the story um, between the Bruce had to go to Arkham Asylum because he tried to commit suicide and the, the murder pact between Harvey and Bruce. That That's just some of the, the, the things that I was not keen on. But the one thing that I really did enjoy was the random – in insertion of these like no name vi- or not no name but D list villains that you know were hunting Batman down and trying to stop Batman. I thought those were really cool and the uh, reimagining of some of the looks of some of those characters like Firefly and uh, Killer Moth um, in the first I think it was the first issue that uh, the, those two popped up like those were cool to also get the reintroduction of KG Beast even though they keep referring to him as only Beast. I find that annoying, but um, there it really just has to do with like bringing these characters who have been underutilized back. That was one of the few reasons I enjoyed the story. But I'm sure Ed is going to share with us why we are all wrong. No, not necessarily. I didn't like the. Oh, um, okay. I, I didn't like the. Uh, I didn't like the suicide part of it. Um, that much. Uh, no, I, I thought it was an enjoyable story. I mean, like. I don't think it's Snyder's best story he's ever wrote, but I think it was, it was, it was good. Um, I like the, I, I like the concept of it though. I, I like the countdown of the miles and, and I, I like like the road trip story and I love chase scenes in movies. So maybe that's why I, I liked it. Um, it wasn't my favorite story that, that Snyder ever did, but I thought it was, it was, it was certainly a, a, a worthwhile story. It had some really good moments in it. There was, there was times where it had some good beats in it. I think it suffered, um, in my opinion, too, from having Duke in it. Just I think was not the right character for me to be in that story. Um, with all that history with Two Face and going through Batman's past, I thought ha- having a character there that had more um, more of a history with him was a real missed opportunity. Uh, either Damien or Jason both would have worked much better, in my opinion. Um, I think it's a good story. Like I said, I, I really enjoyed it, but it's it wasn't um, the best story uh, he's ever wrote by any stretch. Well, the other problem is this Duke thing is still like, I know, about girl, 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 I mean, oh man. I mean, like, you know, I'm, I, you know, I've warmed up to the character just because he's being used in multiple books and popping up in multiple stories. Uh, and when I say warmed up, I mean, like, he's like, 
uh, half the thawed chicken leg or something like that. What? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I just make things up now. That's all I do, can do. Oh my um, god! I don't know why I said. I have to thawed chicken leg is like Duke Thomas, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I'm saying like he's warm. He's I'm warmed up to him. Good, but he's not all the way defrosted on him. Yeah, head, I guess. exactly. Uh, I mean, the, at least uh, at least uh, Harper Row has become at least a defrosted version of the chicken leg. Let's just leave it at that. I, I don't know why we're talking I about haven't. chicken legs. So we, 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 this is another uh, – listeners, this will be another new feature for us is we will be asking Dustin how much of a frozen chicken leg is he on new characters from now on. Yeah. We're, yeah. We, we, want, we want this to be the specific human to measure moving forward. Yes, chicken legs and how they're cooked, whether they're frozen or fully cooked will be – okay, anyway. Um, no, the, the thing with Duke is like I, I definitely agree with the, the – the Duke stuff, like I don't understand why Duke is there, but like the biggest thing is for me is we still haven't got like we still don't even know his code name. Like he has Duke, been running around in the suit, <laughs> in a suit. He, he has been allowed to go out and help Batman in you know various missions. You know he was kept in the the Batcave during Night of the Monsters, but he is allowed to come out and help fight off all of these other characters as part of uh this you know the the this bounty that that two faces put on batman but all of that being said he like that by itself is contradicts itself like batman in says i don't want you out doing this you're not experienced enough but he has no problem having him deal with every villain you can imagine when you know who's chasing down batman and trying to legitimately murder him um I mean, there's a there's definitely a disconnect there when it comes to that. But I agree that pretty much, and I, I would go even further and say like Damien would have obviously worked. We know Snyder's dislike with working with Damien, but any of the other Robins outside of Tim Drake, who's currently as air dead. air quotes dead. So, um, so I mean, but Jason or Dick would have worked much better. I think Dick would have actually worked a heck of a lot better because Dick himself has history with Two Face too, and that would have played real well into the story but it just comes back to i don't know that snyder actually wants to use any of those characters so i don't think he does yeah i don't think he does yeah does not have anything to do with those 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 characters who have the legacy or are too young to history just say it yeah yeah i wanted to say it i wanted to say it but i was trying i know you did (laughs) try not to get the uh the history echo from the history there you go there it is wow all right let's keep going over in Detective, Luke and Azriel are great. I agree that they aren't as fun as Tim and Steph, but Tynion has promised in interviews and Twitter that though Steph isn't part of the team, she's part of the story going forward. I'm really glad Tynion is moving the team members around in and out. I loved Luke and Eternal, even though the supernatural plot wasn't very good. <laughs> and it's really good. To, I know. And it's really good to see him back being a hero after the embarrassing stuff with him and Burnside. Oh, Ian. Ian, Ian, we're going to have to have some conversations. Mm-hmm. And Azrael was so hilariously bombastic, like he was in the Nightfall radio drama. I can't wait to see Tanyan develop him further. I wonder if the double shipping has created the sense of a lack of permanence. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I thought of shipping as in like romantic shipping. And I, then I was trying I to figure out. To go with and then I was trying to figure out what couples were in detective, but he meant like, like mail shipping, M A I L. Yeah, like UPS. Okay. So I wonder if the double um, 
shipping schedule, I guess, has created this sense of a lack of permanence since each story arc only takes three months to complete. It feels like the team is shifting a lot faster than if we read the story over five months. I do agree with that. I do feel like the stories do feel like they're happening quicker. And I think that part part of the reason that like if these teams if if the publication schedule, which is the, the shipping schedule since it ships twice per month, <laughs> if that happened and it was only once a month, it would take it would basically be a year and we'd only have two real big changes on the team and it would actually make sense. That's the downfall of it having it it it, it the, the book shipping twice a month, but I think that it moves the story along faster and it, it, there's a lot more ability to tell a bigger story when it is only happening over three months. I think that when we do get these team shifts, though, it does feel like they're happening very, very soon from the last time it happened because of the double shipping. But I think that's just what happens when you have a book that ships twice a month. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they ha- they can't use that as an excuse. They have to, they're aware that the book is shipping twice. Oh, yeah. Months. yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, it's not like they said – it was supposed to take six months and they, they double shifted on them. Um, yeah. I mean, like the only thing that I could think is like the only, the only way to rectify what has happened is like to, and I'm not saying they can go back and change this at this point. I don't want them to, but there's no reason to do it. But what I would like to see is if they could take the, like if they were going to have these team shifts and they were, you know, there, this was planned, maybe just enter in like one story arc in between the two, you know the the Stephanie situation story arc that we just had, and essentially the Colony Batwoman Tim Drake storyline we had the for the first story arc. Just enter in like maybe a short four issue story arc in between to give it just a little bit of time in between, so it doesn't feel like they're just happening right on top of each other. So. I do have some questions about Greater Gotham. In Nightwing, I'm loving the art by Marcus Toe, who illustrated Red Robin back when Fabian Isaiza was having all those women try to get with Tim. Why is this always coming up on this show? Um, I wasn't picking up this book, but Toe's art and Seeley's writing has made me at least collect this arc. Are you all reading this book regularly? So I will Which say book? he's talking about Nightwing. Um, I will say I feel I, I am reading it regularly. The first story arc was very rough in my my opinion because I didn't feel like the Raptor thing. I don't even understand at the end of the story arc what the point of that entire Raptor storyline was other than yep. just to take up space for the first couple months. Now that he's in Bloodhaven, I've been enjoying the story arc. Uh, I think that everything that's been happening, like using these these characters who have really haven't been popping up since the mid-90s uh, with Chuck Dixon's run on Nightwing and things like that, and obviously utilizing Bloodhaven as a, as a place for Dick to actually call home for the foreseeable future, I think it's working well. Um, that first story arc, no, not so much. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I I don't remember off the top of my head. That is, um, where if Marcus toe is just working on this story arc, or if he worked, if they're like going back and forth. Um, so I couldn't tell you if I would be that I'm specifically looking at this, this arc and saying it's better because of his art. Cause I really just feel like it's a story. Cause I know that Tim Seeley is a good writer. He's done good stuff in the past, but it really just feels like that first story arc was just so far out of left field. I don't know where he was going with that. And I don't know, maybe he's just trying to ignore it. And that's why we're in Bloodhaven now. I mean, I'm fine with that because I want to ignore it, but yeah. Yeah, that first Nightwing story was the definition of like whoop de doo Basil. 
Like, what's it all mean? Like, what's going on here? You know, like, it was like, okay, I get it as another bird guy. Mm. You know, like, I don't know. Just, I, I read it um, primarily because I'm on a Batman-centric podcast. Um, and he's been better since he got to Bloodhaven. And Celia is a good writer. I mean, he's read some good stuff over the years. But I don't know. It's, I am, I like, the, it's, it's okay right now. But the first arc was bad. And I am kind of overall unimpressed with it i'm also reading it and um i got excited when they mentioned that blue haven was going to be returning or i guess vice versa that nightwing is going to return to blue haven but uh not not as much enjoying it so hopefully hopefully it'll be okay i don't know it just doesn't feel like what i was um yeah um, any thoughts on the upcoming tangle that will be Dick appearing in the Birds of Prey with his romances with both Helena and Babs, especially from Stella, smiley emoji. And what does Stella think of Dick's new love interest, Sean? No, I'll take this first. Yeah, go ahead. Um, <laughs> since I've been called out. Well, first of all, sir, I think you're doing this on purpose to see my emotional response. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like, clearly there's something. There's, like, maybe a spark between Dick and Sean. But besides, like, flirtation, I don't know if we could really say, like, a romance. So until we see that, I think I'll reserve any comments on what's going on. Now, I think clearly you are trying to, to elicit an emotional response because you know that I you know Babs and Dick are my one one true pair my OTP but I was okay like I actually really enjoyed the relationship that was uh, budding between him and Helena in Grayson because he didn't fall into bed with her clearly there was um, an emotional connection between the two of them and it, it seemed like it was pretty good uh, so I'll say that if, just to defend myself that it's okay maybe if he dates other people uh, I just don't like him sleeping around uh, for like that Raya wasn't that her name um, on the plane remember that uh, as for what's going to happen when he pops up um i was thinking that it'd be interesting to see this sort of thing which had happened like pre-new flashpoint because he had that relationship with helena and then there was a weird overlap where clearly dc offices bad offices were not talking to each other because it was no man's land and then he had um a relationship like he was kissing Barbara Gordon. Do you remember this? That was happening in Nightwing. And then I think the other thing was like, it was like a New Year's Eve thing. So it was like a weird overlap where he was having a relationship with both women. Uh, so that would be, you know, an interesting thing. So it's not like it's the first time I think that maybe they've, um, they've noticed that he's here, but different circumstances. I think it's, it might be uncomfortable for him. I'd like to think that, you know, he'd, um, you know, gravitate towards Babs. But I think knowing him, he's going to play it off as like this playboy sort of thing. Um, and just like, oh, all the girls go for Dick Grayson kind of thing. So I think it'll be hammed up. Uh, I hope that the Benson sisters sort of ham it up because he, he totally deserves it. And I hope that maybe Helena and Babs, though they're not really there right now, but if it were of like the pre-New 52, they would like team up and totally like try to get his goat like by doing these like really awkward things and making him embarrassed but i don't think given who helena is in this continuity i don't know if they'll be able to do it but i'm looking i'm looking forward to seeing what the drama is but he better make the right decision that's all i have to say it, it doesn't matter he's supposed to be a starfire anyway so this is all mute you know what there i i sometimes i forget uh why i don't like you like we get to a place where i'm like oh he's okay and then you remind me and i'm like yeah i, I don't like him at all there we go 
That's how you elicit a reaction. <laughs> um, excited to hear Jerry will be doing bad books for beginners. Are any of the hosts reading Gotham Academy second semester? There are a lot of crazy theories, literally, smiley face emoji, about the new character, Amy. And I was wondering if any of you had thoughts on the series. I've really enjoyed the character of Catherine Carlo. <laughs> this, oh, man. I have a funny story about her. And kind of wish she were Maps' best friend instead of Mopey Olive. Well, Catherine's pretty Mopey, though, too, Ian. The series is getting pretty dismal sales numbers. Oh, that's sad. I didn't know that. How long do you think it will last, especially since DC just cut its first title, Vigilante Southland? I had no idea what that is. Which was a miniseries, but had incredibly tiny numbers, under 10,000. Well, I had to look it up because I didn't I I mean the yeah, the Vigilante Southland I knew what it was it's a, it's a mini series it was supposed to have six six issues but then it, just from the time we're recording this uh, on January 12th it was announced that Vigilante Southland they're canceling and they already solicited issues 4 5 and 6 which were supposed to come out in January February March and they canceled uh, the mini series they canceled the mini series and basically were like well well we're not going to release the last three instead we're just going to release all six issues collected in a trade in May. So that's what's mm-hmm. happening. Should have um, done that originally. Yeah, they, probably should have. they probably should have uh, done that originally. But <clears throat> looking at the sales numbers for Gotham Academy, because I failed to realize that the sales numbers for December are actually up. I just haven't had a chance to look oh, at them. Oh, Dustin. And Dang. as it turns out, uh, <laughs> Gotham Academy second semester ranked in at 191 with oh, only no. 9,700 issues for the month. That is really, oh, that's it? really bad. Oh, sayonara. Yeah, I mean, I mean like I mean, that. I I I don't mind. I don't mean to sit there and and try to uh, down a, a book, but that is really really dismal numbers I, that's worse numbers than prior to relaunching as uh, second semester bad bad yeah it's really bad yeah. and he brings up the vigilante southland because vigilante southland um, in december which was the uh, which was the issue that came out uh, that that canceled it was at 5800 issues which obviously is extremely bad um, but it's interesting, though, because when you look at other titles, like I was talking about earlier, like the Vertigo stuff, um, there's a there was a title called a series called Clean Room that came out in December. They're on their 14th issue and they're only averaging about 5000 issues per release. But somehow it's a Vertigo. Yeah, I, but that's the, that's the question. Like what what is the, the, the draw line between the two or the difference between the two? Um, that's the only thing I can't, I can't comprehend because, you know, if it's a vertigo title and it's just because they don't, they're not expected to make as much, is it because they, because of the, you know, there's no marketing budget. I can't imagine there's nothing dedicated to the vertigo stuff. So like, is it just because, I mean, Gotham, the, the biggest concern with Gotham Academy in my mind is that there's so many creators. Um, at this point, there's like three co-writers um, and then there's normally at least one or two artists per issue as well. So the, so like my problem is that I feel like that would be a expensive book because there's so many people on the book, but I mean, I guess if, I guess maybe it probably wouldn't be that expensive because they're probably just cutting their, their rate in three for the writers because there's, there's three of them. So this probably has nothing to do with DC. It probably just has to do with the writers deciding to divvy it up three ways, but I don't know, I guess, 
we talked about this before. We don't know what digital numbers are for, for books. So like books that we thought would have been canceled a long, long time ago, they still are around because they are. And then part of it also has to do with DC sometimes gives books a little bit more leniency because of the, the demographics that the books are geared towards, you know, Gotham Academy is geared towards a younger audience. That's not necessarily meant to have tons of sales. I mean, when you look at, some of the Scooby-Doo and Looney Tune titles that DC has, they don't sell extremely well, but they keep doing them. So there has to be a reason why they they keep books around. And that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, if anything's going to save the book, unfortunately, it's going to be because it's going to, a, a, like you said, a precise demographic because they don't have a lot of young adult, teen, preteen books out there, really. So maybe that will save it. Well, it was special in that, you know, it brought in this new era of like lighter books and it was saying like it's okay to have this. And it came in with the Burnside Batgirl run. So, you know, it had something to back up. But now the Burnside Batgirl run has turned into this weird thing that I don't want to get into here. And um, yeah, I feel like this has sort of been. I think maybe when that team left, they they took some people with them, um, readers. Sorry, they took some readers with them, and and so now we have we we're, we're struggling. I continue to read it because I I really like it. Um, it's in a different place right now because, um. Well, it still it, it still has like the same spirit of it. Like, there's some weird stuff going on. Obviously, you've got the group together, and um, you know they're they're solving a, a mystery and everything because it's a detective club. Uh, but there's something really eerie going on with Olive because she's been uncharacteristically quiet. And what I mean by that is her powers haven't like there are points where her powers will start up but it's not been as crazy as I think the previous um, I guess first semester was Uh, and that's also I mean talk about slow burn right literally and figuratively because that's something like we've been really like the mystery of Olive has been like perpetually like what's going on and unfortunately we only get like a little piece at like the end of an arc or whatever so one of the theories is that Amy is in Olive's imagination imagination like she's just sort of there and there are hints there that point to it because Olive may say something and then like I, I think at one point she says like later and then Pomeline says later what uh, because she was talking to Amy so that's kind of weird um, she'll talk to Maps about Amy and and um, at the very beginning and saying you know it wasn't my fault I didn't ask for a new roommate and Maps is like Amy right Amy so like there's something weird going on and I wonder if like Olive has had this split because Amy is clearly like she's really a juvenile delinquent um, and, and is a terrible person. So it seems like maybe all of his excising like the be- evil part of her mind, but um, or like has created this other entity kind of like Tyler. Oh, what's his name on um, Fight Club? Durbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of like that, but that could be really terrible because that means like there's like she may really lose control at some point. And then the question is, if that happened, does that mean that she did all that bad stuff to Eric in issue one or was at the annual where like she was just going to leave him there? Amy was going to leave him there and he was having that asthmatic attack. Uh, so there are lots of questions with that theory potentially, but clearly she's an unlikable character um, and I think she's pulling all of apart because that's the main difference 
difference of this semester than the other is that all it's like the detective club and all of and maps is really trying to i think still like keep her in there and trying really hard but it's just not it's not working very well so it that's a little sad and my funny story about Catherine is not really fun i mean if you've read it you know but i like how Catherine stays in like a little mason jar it's bigger than a mason jar but like oh i guess it's a fishbowl like she sleeps in this little fishbowl as like her muddy self so there was that one issue where um maps was kidnapped by the witch and she's like um mind warped i whatever brain brainwashed and she comes in and like you see Catherine on the shelf it's just like mud in a bowl and then her eyes it's hilarious um but yeah i mean there's still see it's just moments like that that it's it's a great little book and um it 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 proves that all comics in dc and and batman related don't have to be uh dark but i guess maybe people like their darkness now, before we get into the last comment, I was just looking at the sales numbers, and I have to have to make a couple interesting observations here. Um, first of all, Comicron just updated their entire website where you can now sort the sales charts by all kinds of unique things like uh, rankings, actual numbers, um, uh, by the actual publishers. You can find out who you know which 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 ones had the best and i was just looking at this and this this is my first comment idw their top book for the month was the batman teenage mutant ninja turtle adventures crossover um by like eighteen thousand issues compared to their next one which happened to be star trek green lantern so clearly these uh crossovers are working very well for the smaller publishers as well looking at uh a company called dynamite didn't even know who they were. Uh, Dynamite, their, Dynamite, their top book for the month was Wonder Woman 77 Bionic Woman crossover, which was 19,000 issues more than their next popular book, which happens to be James Bond. Now, getting into the DC specifics, looking at the DC, just the sales for just DC books, if you don't count... One, the Vertigo books. You don't count the all-ages kids' books like Scooby-Doo and uh, Teen Titans Go and things like that. You don't count the miniseries that launched, you know, like a couple months after the New 50 or after Rebirth started. And you don't count digital first series. Gotham Academy second semester is the one title that relaunched as part of Rebirth that is the lowest-selling book that they currently have. Um, the absolute lowest DC title that's not Vertigo or an all ages book is Six Packs, Six Pack and the Dog Welder Hard Traveling Heroes, which is on which was on issue five, issue six releases this month. Which I know there's a mini series that only had 5,100 sales or issues sold for the month. That's that's a really dismal number. I don't know how they ended up with six. Um, but the one thing that I think is worth noting is that. Uh, Gotham Academy is also the one series that's not a digital first series that's still priced at two ninety nine. That's still that far down the list. Um, the most of the mini series and even like the Hanna Barbera stuff, all that stuff is priced at three ninety nine. Like the stuff that's in the same range of Gotham Academy is like Death of Hawkman, Midnighter and Apollo, uh, Six Pack and Dog Welder, whatever the heck it's called. Uh, the Suicide Squad Most Wanted. All of those titles are at least three ninety nine, four ninety nine. There's even a Dead Man Dark Mansion, which is a five ninety nine title, and even those are selling roughly, you know, not much, but they're selling a little bit more than 
uh, Gotham Academy. So there has to, I mean, clearly there's a reason they they're keeping the book around, but like, it's just interesting looking at this now that I can actually sort the chart. This is awesome. Great on Comicron for doing this. All right. Anyway, moving into our last comment from Chris. Dustin, please accept my belated congratulations on your family edition. Thanks for the shout out for Bat Books for Beginners. I'm very fortunate to be on the show with Jerry. If he is waiting for a Batman 66 meets Dark Shadows miniseries, then I'll wait for Batman 66 meets Electro Woman and Dinah Girl miniseries. Keep up the great job, all of you. Well, thank you very much. And I, I thank you, Chris, and, and, uh, the, and also, uh, Jerry, who who congratulated me on my new addition to the family, uh, everything is still going well, except for a little bit less sleep than usual. But that is nothing that I have not dealt with before. Um, in addition to that, uh, as the as both Jerry and Chris pointed out, they're the new hosts. I mentioned this on the last episode, but they're the new hosts of uh, Bat Books for Beginners. Their first episode has released. As you're listening to this, uh, you're only a couple days away from the next episode of theirs posting uh, as they are now releasing two episodes per month rather than just the one episode that we were releasing previously before uh, Jerry and Chris came on board. So two episodes of Bat Books for Beginners every single month for your enjoyment. So be sure to check out the new group of hosts with Chris and Jerry. Um, in addition to that, uh, I want to also state that uh, we appreciate all comments, whether they are short or small, or short or large comments, that is. Uh, if they're I'm, short I'm, or small, we like them. <laughs> only the short and small yes, ones. Only short and small. <laughs> yes. The large ones, eh, no, no, I'm just joking. Honestly, like these larger ones, I mean, we have to break them up so that we can actually discuss and and, and reference all the stuff you're talking about, but I still enjoy them. Obviously, we talked a little bit more about uh, listener comments this episode than in previous episodes, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because uh, we know that you guys like hearing us just talk about things rather than just doing straight reviews. So if you have comments that you'd like us to talk about in the next episode, be sure to head over to the website and leave your comment on the podcast post, and we will be sure to get to those next episode. In addition to that, be sure to head over to the website to check out all the latest news and reviews from the Batman universe. We have tons of stuff posting. Um, If you are not following along with everything that's happening in the Batman universe, um, as far as comics goes, by all means, head over to the site because we're reviewing practically all of these TBU books that uh, we talk about during Greater Gotham every single week. And there are tons of them. So be sure to not only re- leave the re- read the reviews, but if you're enjoying the books yourself, leave comments for the uh, writers of those reviews so that you can chat about those books over on the website as well. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube and join our Facebook group um, to chat with other Bat fans about all the stuff related to the Batman universe. In addition to that, you can leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And as always, leave your comments on the podcast post. So that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this is Elena. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.